for a very long time now, I've been so disturbed and, and worried about the ease with which foul language flows off people's lips, even in the Orthodox community, even among from people, uh, and particularly among the children, uh, and the extent to which parents and adults are tolerating foul language from children as if it's normal. And for the children, it's become normal. It's the way the kids speak at school in many cases. It's, it's, uh, for us, it's becoming normal because of the media and, and the movie industry where a, a piece of, of movie is not considered artistic if it doesn't have foul language in it. And so it just becomes part of normal speech and it's not something we should ever be accepting. Let's understand a little bit about the power of speech, the sanctity of speech, and the seriousness of nivel pair, which just doesn't mean only foul language, which is what it does mean, but literally nivel pair means the corruption of the mouth. Using foul language actually corrupts the power of speech. It corrupts the mouth. It destroys that that level of kedusha that we have in the power of speech. But let's look at some of the sources. What concerns us today is a piece of Gomorrah on Dafvava Medalev, where the Gemara goes into an analysis of the Pasuk, which we say in the Shema, every time we, we read the Shema, I will give you the rain on your land at the right time, the Yoreh and the Malkosh, the early rains and the later rains. And it's quite apt that we're learning about this right now, because this weekend where the, the Yoreh is, is due to start. Uh, the first rains, the first soaking rains are, are, are due to start in Israel. Umalkosh, the later rains, which come towards the end of the winter. And then Vasafta de Gancha, you collect your produce, Vetiroshecha, your wine, Vitsarecha, and your, and your oil, and business will be good and everything will go well. That's that, that first part of the, second, of the second paragraph of the Shema. And the Gemara goes into an analysis of what does the word Yoreh mean and what does the word Malkosh mean. Yore comes from the word more, which means a teacher. And it's to teach humanity, to teach people to prepare for the winter. It's that warning shot, preparing to teach people to prepare to fix their roofs to, so that there are no leakages in the roofs and to bring their fruit in, indoors and to do whatever has to be done before the winter. It's a warning that winter is about to come. And then the Gomorrah goes on with a very fascinating, almost circular bit of reasoning as to as to whether the Yureh and Malkosh respectively are, are Gishmei Bracha, or things of blessing and reward, or they're things potentially of destruction and curse, and the, the Gomorrah goes through that. But what concerns us is the fact that there's an assumption that the word Yureh has philosophic meaning, and the word Malkosh has meaning, and that the word Yureh means mean teaching as as Rashi says, Kaadam Shemorela Talmidav Benachat, like a person teaches their children gently. Uh as it says, Benachat Nishwaim, that the words of wise people are heard when they're delivered pleasantly and softly. And so it is with the first rains, they're pleasant and they're soft. Uh, and they teach us, they alert us to prepare and to get ready for the future, to get ready for the ca- the coming winter. Why is it that there's an assumption that there's a philosophic message in a word? And that's true in, in, in Hebrew, in Lashon HaKodesh, of every single word. Every single word has a fortune of philosophy behind it. We are descended from, from shame. Language started in the time of Noah, or different languages started uh, after Noah, the Tower of Babel period. That was when it all started. And we are the descendants of shame. Shame means a, a, a definition, a conceptual definition that's what shame means, a name, a noun, giving something a name that names its essence, that identifies and defines its essence. 
Um, and that's what shame is. Shame is a nation, or we come from an, a nation that occupies itself with ideas, with thoughts, with concepts, uh, and with definition. Yefet, on the other hand, is about aesthetics and beauty. And Cham is about relationships and passion and warmth. Different groups of humanity were, were divided after the time of, of Noach into what their, where their minds are, what they spend their time thinking about, where their minds live. Does their mind live in the, in the world of art and, and beauty and design? Or does their mind live in the world of relationships and connections? Or does their mind live in the world of concepts and ideas? And the Jewish people have always been a nation that lives in the area of concepts and ideas. And every word of Lashon HaKodesh is a philosophy. It has meaning. There's a reason why that's the word, that's the name that's given to something. And if the word Yoreh is used or Malkosh is used, there's teaching, there's morality in that word that we've got to extract from the word. What is the underlying meaning? What is the spiritual message? What is the ethical content of the word? Uh, what is the moral value of the word? And of course, in Lashon HaKodesh, there's so many different different levels of those values because there's the literal meaning of the word. There's the way the letters are connected together and the name of each letter, an aleph, a base, a gimel, the names of the letters themselves are words. And when the letters join together, those, those uh, words uh, mean something and, and come together in a particular, in a particular way. Um, and and we need to understand that. And then there's the gematria, the different types of gematria, the numeric value of the words, uh, and so on. It goes on and on, all these different layers of meaning, and we need to extract that meaning from every word in order to truly understand it. And the Gemara spends its time here trying to extract the philosophic meaning of the word Yoreh and Makosh. We know Yoreh is the early rain and Makosh is the later rain, but what is the underlying meaning? What is the philosophic meaning of each of those words? And that's why... Our language is called Lashon HaKodesh. The Shulchan Aruch writes in, in Simon Kuf Aleph Seif Dalad that although one can daven in any language, that's when one's davening in, in the community with a minion. But when you're davening on your own, you should only daven in Lashon HaKodesh. And here we see in Halakha the word used. It's used early in the Gemara and in the Mishnah. The idea of Lashon HaKodesh, the holy language. What is this holy language? Why is it holy? What is holy about Hebrew? In what way is it different from any other language? There's various different opinions. There's the Rambam, there's the Ramban. Uh, the famous Rambam is in the Moran Nevuchim, uh, which I've quoted for you in the source sheets here. Um, and the Rambam starts off with a general statement of Kfar Yadata Godel HaIsur, Shibayat Zleinu Benivlutapeh. You already know, says the Rambam in the Morin of Uchim, how serious the prohibition is of nivul pair, of disgusting language, of foul language. Um, and he says, and this is obviously so, because it is, it is language which is misgulat b'nei adam, which is the essentially, the quintessential human quality. And it's a, a wonder that has been given by Hashem to man, to distinguish us from all other organisms. Only we can express ourselves conceptually uh, using language. And therefore, to corrupt that language and to use it for, for disgusting things is an undermining of this unbelievably holy uh, gift that the Rebbe Nisham has given to us, which defines our humanity. And to take our, our humanity and defile it in that way is something, is something really terrible. And we shouldn't tolerate that. 
We should not tolerate nivul peh from the people around us and certainly not from our own children and certainly not from ourselves. We, we get very upset if something we hold to be holy is desecrated. If somebody were to come and, and paint swastikas on the shul, we would become enraged and we would call the police and we would call the media and we would, this would be unacceptable and intolerable. They're desecrating our holy places. But we do that all the time. When we talk nivul peh, when we talk disgusting language, when we use foul language, we are desecrating a much holier place than a shul. And we're desecrating it in a much worse way than drawing a swastika on a wall. To take language, the very essence of our sanctity, of the sanctity of the human being, and to corrupt it and, and, and defile it with foul language is much more serious. And we shouldn't accept it and we shouldn't, we shouldn't take it. If a child of ours, God forbid, came into our home and with chazer treif and was eating, we wouldn't accept that even if the child had gone off the tracks. Not in our house. You don't bring treif into our house. Well, nivel pear is treif. Foul language is treif and shouldn't be allowed in, in our homes. And then the Rambam goes on to say, And in my mind, that is the reason why our language is called Lashon HaKodesh, because there is no word for anything foul or disgusting. Not only foul and disgusting, but even the parts of the body which could take our minds to places we shouldn't be thinking about uh, at, at any given time. We don't have words for that. We have indications and uh, there aren't words to, to describe sexual activity and sexual organs. Um, it, there isn't a word for a swear word in, in, in the Jewish, in the Hebrew dictionary. Uh, and even in modern Israel, when they want to swear, they use words that they import from Arabic or from English. But genuine Hebrew itself just doesn't have it. And that's why, says the Rambam, it's Lashon HaKodesh. Says the Maral Miprag in Tivot Olam, the Rambam sort of got it all wrong. It's, it's not that it is Lashon HaKodesh, it's a holy language, because it has no foul language. It's the other way around. It's because it's a holy language that there is no nivul peh in it, there is no foul language. And the Maral Miprag says, From this you see how serious and important it is to be cautious, not to pronounce anything uh, that is ugly. Because you see from the fact that Hebrew doesn't have uh, anything ugly, doesn't have ugly words in it, from that fact it's called Lashon HaKodesh. So you see from there how important it is to guard one's mouth from saying anything that is ugly and, and unpleasant. But the Maral goes on to say, it doesn't seem to me right that the reason that Hebrew is called the holy language is because it doesn't have any any foul language attached to it. Because then it wouldn't be the language that is that is Kodesh. It's just the fact that it doesn't have those words. Rather, he says, The reason it's called Lashon HaKodesh, the holy language, is because this is the language we use for holiness. And therefore, one has two languages. So the Maharal is a proponent of using two languages, one for one's day-to-day -day activities, and Lashon HaKodesh for Kedusha. The one language is used specifically for matters of sanctity, and the other one is the general secular language that you would use for everyday use. Um, and so in Europe, they had Yiddish and they had, and they had Hebrew, 
Uh, and and always there have been two languages. In Israel, we, we use Hebrew both for secular activity and for Kurdish. And some people see that as a, a remarkable thing, that we bring the Kedusha of Lashona Kurdish into our day-to-day activities. And some people, and you have groups of people who don't do that, they speak Yiddish on their day-to-day language and use Hebrew only for tefillah, only for learning and for davening. And the difference with these languages is that Hebrew is the language by which the world was created. And it's the language that Hashem talks to His angels. And because this language is inherently holy, Hashem designed and created this language. It's given to humankind to use to express sanctity with. Because you can't express sanctity in any other language. And that's why the Torah and other holy works are written specifically in this language. And that's why it's a holy language. Uh, and yes, it's true that there aren't any foul words in it, but that's because it's a holy language. And and I don't think that the Rambam is saying anything different. I, when the Maharal criticized the Rambam, having got it back to forward, to front, I don't think it's that at all. Uh, I think the Rambam, of course, understands and and knows that that Lashona Kodesh is is Kodesh. The reason for its Kedusha is inherent. It, the reason for its Kedusha is because it is God's language and is the language He communicates to the um, angels and prophets with, and it is the language with which He created the world. All the Rambam is saying is you can tell that it's a holy language because it has no foul language. You can see the Kedusha in that it has no foul language. Not that the absence of foul language is the cause of its Kedusha. The Rambam clearly gets that as well. I don't think there's anything different between what the Rambam says and what the Maharal says. The Chaim, on that piece of Shulchan Aruch that we learned, um, goes on and explains that Loshan HaKodesh, Hebrew, has many sugulot rabot, it has many special properties and energy to it different from any other language because this is the language that Hashem speaks to his prophets by and it's the language by which the world was created and also when the people of the great assembly the Knesset HaGdola put together the davening so these are the people that come before the um, uh, the, the people who come after the period of, of the Nevi'im end of the period of the Tanakh before the period of the Mishnah um, these are the Anshe Knesset Agdolai, and they go right back to the time of Moshe. They didn't start that late. Uh, and these people put the davening together, word for word. Every piece of davening that we have, every bracha, is composed by the Anshe Knesset Gedolai, who were incredibly wise people. Among them, it says the Chofetz Chaim, were prophets. And they worked every bracha out with its words and its combination of letters, using all sorts of, of Kabbalistic concepts, Sodot Elamot Gavot. And when we utter those words in our davening, even if we don't know the actual literal translation of the words we're davening, our davening is still accepted. It still works. Because the words themselves are so holy that they have impact, they have effect up in the higher worlds, which doesn't apply if you daven in English or some other language. Um, your intention and your meaning, of course, goes up to Hashem. But but the power of the words is in the words themselves. Whether or not we understand them, those words have been composed by the Anshe Knesset They've been used for, for millennia since then. 
And those are the words that we use for our davening without making any changes in them at all uh, because they have that power and that energy. That is the power of Lashon HaKodesh. And so we see on two levels. Firstly, there's just the idea of the power of speech, which has such sanctity to it that man, humankind is differentiated from animals through our ability to conceptualize, our ability to give words to ideas, uh, and our ability to give names, to define and, and to, to create conceptual definition. And that's what makes us human. And in addition to that, there's Lashon HaKodesh. The Jewish people are blessed with a very, very special and specific language, which is Lashon HaKodesh, which we use for tefillah and for learning, and, uh, and in a modern way we, we use all the time. Either way, really important that we understand that sanctity, that we protect that sanctity, uh, and that we don't accept as a norm that which the world has accepted as a norm. Uh, that you can defile language and you can defile your mouth and it doesn't matter. It matters very, very much. And we should make an effort to be intolerant of, of foul language in, in everything we do.